This world has a way of keeping us from puffing ourselves up. This world has a way of putting us, life does, in situations where if we just really believed with all of our heart that we're just an instrument and a tool in this divine drama that we're walking through. To change, be an instrument, an avenue, a tool, a conduit to change people's lives around us. It doesn't puff us up. It humbles us. That every day we don't get up and we, we think that the main, story, main character in that story that day is moi. <laughs> See, I do have another language that I can use. See, there every now and then. I don't even know if I said that right, but anyway. But it's about, no longer about me, but about him and about them. And I get to be the conduit. Lord willing, I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you today. And it hopefully will make sense in how I'm going to try to tie it together, but I can guarantee if you'll listen to it, even if you don't even listen to me, it will make sense because it's the Word of God. But hopefully it'll make sense as we're trying to walk through it this morning. Have you ever come to the point and realize that the task that Christ has put in our hands is almost beyond comprehension? That it's superhuman. That the things he's put in front of us is to battle evil. To build and advance the kingdom. And to be a conduit and a cause for people to become mature in Christ. That should make you want to go run. That is what's been put in our lap. When we signed up for this, when we stepped into this, to battle evil, to advance the kingdom, to mature or help mature the believers. Superhuman. Beyond what you will ever be able to do on your own, in your own power or in your own gift mix on your own, on your own talents. I didn't say you couldn't grow a large church. What I'm saying is, if we take these three tasks at hand, we will never ever do this on our own. John 10.10, the thief, the enemy, the evil one, comes only. There is no other purpose, Jesus. These are Jesus' words. There is no other purpose than this. 
than to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything stolen from you recently? Had anything, had any, had any attempts to destroy? Had any attempts to kill? Had any attempts to steal? Jesus says, though I have come that you may have life. Zoe. Not just any kind of life, not just breathing, but life. And have it to the full. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, a lion looking for someone to devour. I love this part. I always circle like there. Like a roaring lion. He's not. There's only one line of Judah. There's, but he's like one. He wants to sound like one. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout where? <laughs> throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. You're not in this by yourself. It is not unusual. It is not a rarity for you to be under this kind of battling evil. It is normal. What you need, though, is to be prepared for the battle. The battle's not rare. But guess what? Before you became a believer, you were in battle already. You just didn't have the tools. What have we talked about here before? Before, I was a messed up non-believer on this side without Christ. Fortunately, immediately after I came to Christ, I was still a messed up now believer. I still had a lot of challenges. I didn't have the tools. I had to learn the tools. I had to begin to implement the tools. I had to learn how to use the tools. But now I'm prepared to fight the battle. I was already in the battle. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, and we'll preach about that. That'll be preached on the next someday out there. We don't know when yet, but someday when we get out of Ephesians 4, we'll get through 5, and then we'll be at 6. That's just so you, that's kind of how it works. Okay, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the evil, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, since you know all that, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand, stand. Well, you'll hear of stand, stand, stand. We're able to stand now.
Jesus tells us in these scriptures, and he does other places, Paul reminds us, Peter reminds us, that we are in a battle. So why does it shock us that we find out that there is a battle raging for your family and for my family? Why does this shock us? Why does this surprise us? There is a battle going on for your neighbor. There is a battle going on for your coworker. There is a battle going on for your worst enemy. I love what Irv McManus and you, many of you have heard this sermon years, a few years ago. We talk about it in the training of uncommon. But he talks about in his message, Battle Ready. He said, the reward of winning a great battle is a greater battle. The reward of winning a great battle is not peace and rest. The reward of a great battle is that you know how strong you are, how powerful God is, and how much he can accomplish. That's why we're in the battle. You wouldn't need faith if you were not in the battle. You wouldn't need to trust God if you were not in the battle. Because you'd do it on your own. You're in a battle that's more than you can fight. I love what he says, though. He says, you no longer fear what you used to fear because you took care of that yesterday. The battle allows us to fight this thing out and go, my God is mighty. Now, there may be some in front of me that scares you know what out of me, and I don't fill in the blank. But I'll tell you this. There are certain things just like we repeated a few weeks ago, McManus. He says, I don't fear death because fear of death is behind me. I've already dealt with death. I tend to live. Like we've said many times here, I may not be able to choose how I'm going to die, but I sure as heck can choose how I'm going to live. The journey with Jesus is not a journey where he moves the obstacles, but where he raises the bar for us to rise above the obstacles. He's with us. Okay, let's just fight evil. No, now he wants us to advance the kingdom. Matthew 28, Jesus' words. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I love it. He keeps throwing in therefore. Therefore, go. The Greek term there for go is what? Go. Okay. (laughs) And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples again, 
But you will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power, dunamis power. That literally means dynamite power to be my witnesses. Literally means a martyr for him. That's what that means. No easy task. Superhuman. You will not live this out without Christ in your life. And dwelling because you will get the bigger picture. And you will have the tools to live it out. And I think maybe one of the greatest challenges of all this is, is bringing people to maturity in Christ. I don't know if there's a greater challenge on the face of the earth than people truly, genuinely, authentically changing. Being transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I may just have two up there. Both of them, yep. Therefore, there it is again. Keeps coming up, doesn't it? Therefore, I've told you all this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God, that is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, you've heard me many times, you know me. I love to circle then. Right down here on this last sentence. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. of Renewing there is metamorphosis or morpho, a caterpillar to a butterfly, literally changing, okay? Make sure you understand. Then, then, then you will be able to... How many of you know, how many of you want to know God's will for your life? If you want to know God's will for your life, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you really genuinely want to know God's will for our life? I hope you do. Well, there's a then. So you have to look up above it. Well, offer my body as a living sacrifice. Offer my life for God to use however he sees fit. Allow his spirit to begin to renew or transform my life. Then you'll be able to test. In other words, the literally meaning there, it means to know. And approve literally means to embrace. How would you like to know God's will for your life and you hug it? You just love it. You embrace it. What God's will is, it's good, pleasing, and perfect will. 2 Timothy 2, 20, 21 in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special, uncommon, I put in there, that's my add in there, uncommon purposes made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Let me just read this real quick, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared for in advance for us to do. But I love 2 Timothy 2, 
22 especially, where it talks about these common versus uncommon. We talk about it here at Renovation. I, 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 I hope that you hear me today. There are none of you in here that have showed up today or anybody you will see today that are designed for common purposes. None of you. You don't know anybody that was designed for that. You literally don't know them because they don't exist. We were made for uncommon purposes. We were made to be useful to the master for any good work. That's what we were made for. So don't look at anybody. Don't look at yourself today. I want to encourage you today. Don't look at yourself. It's common because you are not. You were not designed to be common. You were designed to be uncommon. You were designed to be unusual, peculiar people, the word says. To be useful to the master. That's good news. It's great news. I don't know who's told you. I don't know, maybe it was repeated in your raising that you'll never be good for anything. You're just ordinary. Oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're special. You were made for uncommon, rare. What makes it uncommon? It's rare, it's irreplaceable, and it's useful. You got to become useful. Useful to the master. You know there's certain things in you, people in your life, relationships, that are irreplaceable. Even if they die, you'll never, even if you got remarried or had another child or whatever, you will never replace. Doesn't mean you can't move on with life. Doesn't mean all that. It's just you will never replace them. If you don't live into what God has for you, doesn't mean the kingdom doesn't continue to advance. It will without you. But it doesn't mean that you're replaceable. Please hear me. You're not. You're just not. You've been made for good works. Ephesians 4. Seventeen through six, 7 through 16. However, he has given each of you a at least special gift or gifts. Through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says we ascended to the height. He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That's Jesus Christ. And there's a lot to be... We're not going to camp there today, but I want you to hear this and we'll come back to it next week. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity and faith and, and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every kind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies or uh, so clever that sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. And that's another teaching we would do. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his, his body, the church. He reminds us, Paul reminds us, the body is his church. Do not forget that. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. I think sometimes we skip past that. And we'll come back to that. But let me say it again if you missed it. As each part does its own special uncommon work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Verse 12 says, to equip, to equip God's people to do his work. The word equip there is also used in other parts in the Gospels, in Matthew and in Mark. It means, it would be this scene of where they're mending the nets. The nets are torn, and it literally means they're remending them. They're putting them back together. Well, they're what? Useful now. Because nets, if you're throwing a net out to pull fish in, which we would call fishers of men, by the way, but if you're trying to throw them, and it's got all kinds of holes in it, and it needs to be, it's going to be kind of pointless. It's a lot of work. And yeah, you may catch one every now and then. But if a net is torn and the net is broken, The consistency of that and the potential for that is pretty limited. But think about what that learned. Just get a visual for a second. For those fishermen back 2,000 years ago, uh, as they're they're writing this, they're writing this in a way going, it's like fishermen sitting on the bank or on their ship or on their boat, mending the net because they know. It's to restore something back to its former condition. Verse 16 again, I got to read it. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. In other words, he mends it back together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. For I love the fact that Jesus told us in John 14, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have ever, that I have ever told. 2 Timothy 1.7 For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. 
The Holy Spirit has been given to us. And then the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he sees fit. And as I was working on this this week, and I was planning on preaching on the gifts of the Spirit today, and, and Lord willing, we will get to that. <laughs> I got stuck here on what the mission is before us. Is that Christ knew the mission, obviously. <laughs> His apostles knew the mission. And he knew if left on our own, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's superhuman. And if we ponder it too long, again, we may go home. Because it's too massive to battle evil. To advance the kingdom and build the kingdom. Help people mature into the fullness of why God created them in this uncommon way. It seems overwhelming. But then we begin to break it back and break it down. I've been reading a book recently called Story Brand, and it's a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and, and it's a guy named Donald Miller wrote it, and it's mostly for secular. And I, and I like getting books like that, I, I, when, especially when it's dealing with human nature, and it's really, we believe people are spot on about Human nature. Donald Miller is a Christian. Many of you have read some of his stuff, maybe at Blue Light Jazz and some different ones along the way many years ago. But he writes and leads more in a secular setting now than he does there. And I don't, you know, I don't, you, know you don't have to go read all of his stuff or all that kind of stuff. But just reading it, I thought about where, where are we as a church? We've got this great mission that seems overwhelming. That could be very transformative, not only for people's individual lives, but for our communities and for the world. It literally is that kind of weight to it. We know that. Okay, it's the only answer, we believe, as Christians, the only answer ultimately to the problems of this world. But most of us, including your pastor, We, we all have, let me say this, we, we all have external problems. <laughs> we have things that get in our way, okay? They kind of throw a curve at us, and we go, wow, okay, that's a little battle, or reality is. Sometimes these battles I talked about earlier, these battles that we confront are in the spiritual realm. Sometimes they're self-inflicted. Would you agree with that? <laughs> okay, when I started on this diet, Four weeks ago tomorrow, I did not blame the devil <laughs> why I was needing to diet. Now, some people may. I realize there's health issues. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not other things why people may need. But I will say this. Mine was self-inflicted. It was self-inflicted. Just, just admit it. It is. But there's also battles, though, isn't there? The battles that rage in our mind and our hearts that now have to do with that, though. I can't just excuse it. can't just throw that out. Well, this is just, no, this is out of a spirit, a potential spiritual thing as much as it is. Because why? Because if I am not healthy, then it's going to affect where I am spiritually. Because they're not disconnected. You can't disconnect them. Trying holistic ministry has to be a part of what the church is about.
So what happens many times, we see an external problem. It needs to be fixed, but reality is so many times it has to do an eternal issue. I didn't say eternal, even though it could be internal. And we may help somebody fix the external and not deal with the internal. And before you know it, they'll have another, another external. Because we all have them, right? But when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which we taught on about a month or six weeks ago, we begin to have joy in the middle of crazy circumstances. We begin to have peace where there should be no peace. There begins to be an internal answer for an external problem. I believe all of us want our external issues fixed, but what we don't want to deal with is, the matter of fact, it may be the internal issue we need to deal with. We should be a place where we're helping you do that. We just should be. We're not the only place, and what I mean by that is we're sure not the only church, but also I know that you can be alone with God in prayer. You can be alone with God in His Word. You can be alone with God, and He fix it there. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying we're the only place, but I believe we should be a place. And what, if we're not careful, what we'll end up doing is, is covering our internal issue with more external things. By, for me, it's food. When I, when I get kind of anxious or depressed, my go-to has been food. Could be worse, yeah. Could be a lot worse than that, yeah. But it has been mine. Since I was about 12 or 13 years old, it has. So I'm asking God to help me with not only the issues that those things that come at my way, not only do I see it the way he sees it, and I become an overcomer, not a look at her and stare at it till I'm paralyzed. But God, is there an internal, internal something that you're showing me through this? Am I in the middle of this circumstance, not because of anything anybody else is doing, but because of why I am here right now is because of what you're wanting to do in me? It's a whole lot easier to put it on other people, right? Even though other people may have done wrong. Other people may have not done the right thing. May not have done... But God may allow you in that battle of what He's wanting to do in you. And for many of you, as I was reading through this book, it just kept hitting me. The church should be a place of great challenge for you. What I mean by that is, we've used the latter illustration here multiple times. But God brings things into our lives to cause us to stretch, to move. Until we're challenged to do that, we will never move. The illustration I saw years ago of a, 
of a glass of water, and I've used it a couple of times, a glass of water. And if you take that glass of water and you set it down, you just drop a little crud in there, a little dirt, whatever. If, if you let it settle long enough, the crud will drop to the bottom, right? So if I'm looking at it from a distance, if, I, if you're looking at my glass of water, you're going, hey, that's a clean glass of water. Until somebody puts a spoon in it and starts stirring it. And all of a sudden, this stuff is down at the bottom, starts coming up to the top, right? Starts clouding everything up. Well, here's the problem. Most of us don't want to embrace the spoons. What I want to say to you today is you need to start embracing the spoons because the crud's already there. The crud's already there, okay? Hear what I'm saying. It's already there. It's causing havoc in your life, even though you don't want to deal with it and you don't want to bring it up. It's still there. And so what God does, I believe, is bring spoons into your life and begins to stir it up and say, deal with it. You'll never be everything I want you to be. You'll never be the vessel I can use you as until you deal with this. To become mature in our faith. Where did we ever read anywhere in that that maturity is not this, the, the thing, the, what God is trying to do in our lives, trying to transform us into Christ's image. The fruit of the Spirit. The morpho. Ephesians 4. It's all about maturity. To be useful to the Master. To do any good work. And the church should be the place where we're helping. It should be a station. It should be a lighthouse, whatever that is. Whatever you want to use there where that's happening. And I will say this to you, and I'll confess this to you today. I don't know that it can happen only on Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, it can't. It can't. It can't just happen here. We show up, we leave. The preaching's not good enough, the music's great. But it's got to be more. It's got to be more. It's got to be what you're doing every day. But we've got to be helping train you and teach you. I love the quote from Tom Landry I heard years ago. Since it's NFL today, I thought I would throw this up. I have no idea where I am on my slides, but go ahead and put it up there. A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see, so you can be who you've always known you could be, baby. It's in there. The Holy Spirit wants to pull it out, but he uses people to help you do that. Yeah, I wish, I wish we didn't have to have a plan. Like, okay, let's do the fundamentals. Let's do this. Next bit. Do I believe people can grow in Christ at full throttle without, without Kurt Gentry or Renovation Church putting together a plan? You bet you I believe that. It's happened over and over since the beginning of the, of the faith. But we live in a world today, though, where we're full of clutter. And we're full of distractions. And we never turn our mind off. We've got more information coming at us. We could throw up for a month and still have more information than we ever could use. Now, what I mean by this, we've got more information. You've got more sermons. Some of you are listening to six sermons a week from the greatest speakers in the world, and you're not living one of them out. Get what I'm saying here. Listen to one and try to living it out. Doesn't have to be mine. Doesn't have to be what I'm teaching here or Allie or, or Dan or, or Josiah. But find one. Sometimes I think you get way too much information. Sometimes I think it needs to be narrowed down, very succinct. 
I believe my role, and I believe I can bear it out in Scripture, my role specifically, and I would say other teachers too, but my role is to equip the saints for Christ's work. And that may mean that my time is better spent not in this pulpit. It may mean that I, my time is better spent in a teaching setting. Because of where I'm gifted. We have to clear the clutter. We believe, many of them, most in the leadership here, I think all of them, believe we've, God's given us a reasonable plan. We've just kind of gotten distracted in implementing that plan. And again, I'm not saying it's the plan. I'm saying it's a plan. Please hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I can promise you this. It is for you to grow in maturity of Christ. That is the purpose. That's why we exist for people to come to Christ and advance the kingdom to go into all the world to raise up mature believers in Christ to be a body that's unified. And Christ says it is through you, through you people loving one another. That the world will know that I have come. That is the only way that we will know that you are my disciples. That's it. Ephesians 4 bears that out over and over. It is in the unity. Protect the unity. Protect the unity. Protect the unity. How? With love. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't, full, if you don't grow into the maturity of Christ and the fullness of Christ, you will not know that love. You have a form of that love. But you will not know agape love. And you will not operate in agape love. You just won't. Neither will I. One of the things Donald Miller talks about is that I agree with 100%. Every human being is trying to avoid a tragic ending. I've talked about this a few weeks ago, and I heard Aaron McManus on GLS. He said, he didn't say it this way, but I thought, on your death certificate, it says, death by drowning and mediocrity. (laughs) That I took on a life of 50, 60, 70 years, and it was okay with me that it was mediocre. What if there was a station? What if there was a place? places everywhere but at least we can control what we can control with God's help to be a place where people begin to realize you don't have to have a tragic ending you don't have to have a tragic mental you don't have to have a tragic front side this really can be lived out you may not be able to go back and and write a new beginning but you can start today and write a new ending the pen is in your hand it's in your hand And it's what you choose to do. What will they say? What will they say? When it's all said and done. The big challenge is again. We get up every day. Including this pastor. That we are in this drama. And I am the star and main character. (laughs) And you guys are all bit parts. You're the supporting cast. And you can laugh at me, but you know you do the same thing. Everything really revolves around me. And I say to, and we talked about this as staff, 
We just got to start where people are because that's where they already are. But we can't leave them there. We just can't leave them there. Because we leave them there, they've missed, they've chosen the common. If we leave them there, they won't understand the uncommon, the great purpose God has for them. Because they thought it was always about them. No matter how selfless, no matter how virtuous you are, if Christ is not reigning in your life and transforming you, it will still be all about you. As much as you hate it, as much as you would not want it, you still hunger for approval, you still hunger for control. But let me say this to you, when you die to self, when you die to Christ, or die in Christ as we would talk about, I love, and I've thought about this this weekend, 1 Peter 2.9 talks about us being a part of that holy nation, the peculiar people, a chosen royal priesthood. Think about that, a chosen royal priesthood, that that's who you are. To think about that you're part of this tribe that's bound together around the world today meeting under trees with dirt and AC and carpet. There's no caste system. There is no hierarchy. Oh yeah, I'm part of the Razorback Nation. Sure, I don't... I, I, Mary Lou, I hate to confess that today after your team beat us last night. <laughs> I'm part of Raider Nation and Cardinal, St. Louis Cardinal Nation and Arizona Nation B, Cardinal, Cardinal B. <laughs> I'm part of the Gentry Tribe. I'm part of the Renovation Tribe. But guess what, folks? There is, I'm a part, of, part of the American, North American. I'm part of the United States of America, better way to say it, because there's a lot of Americas, right? Okay. Uh, I'm part of that tribe, and I'm a proud card-carrying. But there is nothing that compares to being a part of the holy nation. Nothing compares to that. You have been made for special, uncommon purposes. We want to be a station. We want to be a place that helps you clear the clutter to make music out of the noise. But it's going to take an unbelievable effort to do that. It won't just be complacent because most of us drift towards complacent, right? That's where most of us go. And we're real, com- we're real comfortable with complacent because most people we know are there also. I pray to God that we will not be a place where complacent is comfortable here for you. I do. I know it's going to take some risk. I know it's going to take some, oh, well, that shouldn't be, I don't know what crazy things might come out of our minds and hearts, but I believe we've got to be a station. And I won't try to do it in a vacuum. I'm not saying that either. There'll be, but I'm just saying God has called us to special purposes. One of them is to help you live into the gift mix that he has given you. Can you imagine a church that is thriving on all cylinders when the people in that church understand that God has made me special and unique, not for pride, but for uniqueness and humility to be useful to the master to build up the body? What could be happening in that church? That's what we're going to try. That's all I got. That's all I got.
Josiah, come on up here. Do something. Stop me. Get me out of here. I just love you guys, and we're just trying. Man alive, I, one of the things I think when I got in the gifts of the Spirit this week and began to look at my, back at my own gifts, I realized I've got to live into mine too. It's not about me, but if I don't live into those that God has called me, then this body can't function the way it's supposed to, and you can't be healthy and growing the way that you should, not because it's dependent on me. It's just because I'm a part of it. I'm just a part of this little cog of things, the pieces that come together to make the puzzle fit. And so I'm just asking, as we move forward, and next week hopefully we'll talk about the gifts. But I just believe today that none of us want a tragic ending. None of us want to look back on our lives and go, man, I, that, that was a waste. That was a waste of time. And don't, realize, don't, don't say that I'm minimizing. I just think that we all want to have this life, as Tom Landry would say, for us to help people. They knew it was in there. They knew it was in there. We just want to help them pull it out for his glory and for your betterment and those around you because there is good news, folks. There's wonderful good news. Won't you stand with us? We're going to close singing. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray that you would never let us be apathetic or complacent about the call on our lives. Lord, I realize in this room this morning, it's hard for some who've come here today to even think about going to the ends of the earth because they are stuck right now in the battle. And the battle is overwhelming. It could be from raising their family. It could be from relationship. It could be finances. It could be a lot of things, Lord, that have just got them stuck. Lord, I pray today that you would give them hope, that you would give them peace right now, that you know exactly where they are. You haven't lost track of them. And, Lord, I pray that they would just cry out to you, Lord, and allow you to continue to transform them. Then we will know your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to to be together as a body and just dedicate these precious little children. I pray again that you would bless their families as they are a part of this. They are a part of us. Lord, we pray this and just have, have us sing now to your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus.